You're listening to Adaptal for Your Thoughts, a show where we speak to leaders across multiple industries to gather their views and advice on prominent themes and topics within the workplace. Good evening, Jerry. It's a pleasure to have you on Single Steps. Thank you very much for making the time. Uh, to all of our listeners today, we've got the very, very charismatic Jerry Hu, uh, Senior Manager of Talent Acquisition of Dr. Anywhere with us today. Uh, but before I carry on, Jerry, congratulations to you. I know it's a new role that you've taken up. Uh, would be great to hear a bit more about you and the role. And maybe if you could even share a little more about what Dr. Anywhere is doing at this point. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much, uh, Ani, for you know, inviting me to this podcast. I've been a sincere fan and all along. And uh, uh, so in terms of uh, kind of my change, um, um, really, I joined Doctor Anywhere, like, this is my first week. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I can say only so much. Um, so we found it in 2017. Uh, founder's name is Wyman. Um, and then uh, hopefully you can find us uh, talking and podcasts um, online and then you will be able to really, if you cannot, then just go on my LinkedIn page. Um, I did a lot of posting there. So what we're really trying to do on its own, our vision is to become kind of the largest um, health tech provider across Southeast Asia. And, uh, and in order to do that, um, our mission is to kind of uh, through, uh, you know, very innovative technologies, but also solutions as well. Uh, when you're looking at the healthcare system, um, sometimes, they, you know, there's very old-fashioned ways of doing it. And it's not very convenient, I think, across uh, the globe. And uh, when we think about insurance, when we think about, I want to see a doctor, there's tons of, like, paperwork. There's tons of, you know, troublesome things that you have to, to go through. Basically, yeah. we want to be able to, you know, give power back to our patients and users, uh, really, uh, uh, you know, make it more easy, more accessible. Um, and then, uh, you know, in some countries in Southeast Asia, it's also not very uh, cheap, right? It's expensive uh, mm. for high quality healthcare. We want to make sure that, you know, we're able to utilize a platform to be able to provide everybody, you know, when it's necessary, right? Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I think it's it's really nice to see how you're obsessing around patient care and trying to really kind of ensure that it's a seamless experience for these individuals to access some of this healthcare, which could some point, you know, be difficult to do so. So I think the purpose behind the organization is really fantastic. And uh, kudos to you for starting on and kind of helping them grow across the region. Um, Jerry, if there's anything you've got a reputation for, it's really for kind of, you know, uh, adopting talent intelligence and leveraging analytics within the world of talent acquisition. Uh, and you've done so, you've done that very successfully across multiple organizations you've been in, uh, you know, be it multinationals, be it startups, early age organizations. Uh, but, you know, what exactly is talent intelligence? What, is, what does that actually mean? Yes. Um, thank you, Annie. That's a really great question. So, uh, you know, if we're coming down to what talent intelligence is, right, I think it's three folds that I always talk about. Um, it's, it's really, I think, uh, you know, since the start of LinkedIn Talent Insights, um, mm -hmm. the space itself has been uh, quite hot. Um, however, you know, many people are still not familiar. Um, sometimes, you know, in Southeast Asia region, it's still quite nascent. Mm -hmm. um, or people just um, have different understandings, right? And I think that's totally relevant and true because 
it should be a very um, customized approach to different organizations and challenges. There's no set in stone to say this is the right way to do talent intelligence. Some people right. think it's related to executive sourcing. Some people think it's more related to the system. Some people think it's related to people analytics. I think it's really, um, again, we drill down to what kind of business challenges that you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. right? So the three folds, um, kind of from my experiences, is that number one is really to be able to utilize um, the data internal and external across. Um, so internally, you know, um, we would be connecting, um, you know, kind of the entire employee journey right from the mm -hmm. beginning when we are getting them, you know, all the way, how they're performing, all the way, you know, when they are leaving, are they happy, something like that, right? So there's a lot of data points around that. External-wise, um, these days, there are many, many tools. Uh, you will be able to easily find out, like, where are people working at? What are their migration patterns? Um, right. You know, what are the, some of the competition insights um, around your competitors? Um, so a lot of the external people data, it's also spinning out there. So the first step, right, the first fold is for talent intelligence is really to be able to aggregate and synthesize all those information. And then from there, you know, you will be able to draw out some of the insights uh, that's truly kind of relevant to you mm. and uh, really, you know, able to provide actionable insights. I think that's also a challenge. Sometimes it's on the surface. Um, you can see descriptive data, but not necessarily coming down to, um, you know, actionable insights that we could leverage. Um, then the second fold is really, you know, I think with those kind of uh, uh, very useful tools and with those knowledge that we would be able to influence our hiring managers in mm -hmm. a different way. So, you know, changing kind of the recruiting mindset from very reactive Meaning like, you know, there's a job rack, I post jobs, I download resumes, and then you screen to a very proactive mode. Meaning like sometimes there is no role, mm. but I know our comp competitions is hiring this role out there. Should right. we be thinking about doing the same thing? Or yeah. I know there's some constant organizational changes in our organization. I know COVID has a hit on the talent trend. Should yeah. we be planning ahead um, in terms of, you know, our talent strategies, how we will uh, be thinking about it? So um, the second fold is really, you know, I think the entire shift of their, you know, mindset towards talent um, is that, you know, it's rather than hiring managers um, telling you, you know, these are target companies, uh, you just map it out, that will do it. We, we're going to tell you that, okay, if you're looking at this market, in Vietnam, these are, you know, the size of your software engineer. Right. What are they good at? Where do they like to go? Mm -hmm. And uh, where have they been to and they failed? Um, what can, what some sort of the lessons can we learn from that? Right. So the third piece is, uh, I think the third fold is really, I think, you know, from all that, we will be able to kind of um, create a culture of recruiting, ideally, because, mm -hmm. you know, we always say that, that not, and not just recruiting, right? Every job of HR, every function is not just an HR's job. Ultimately, you know, we are enabler. We give you the tools, you know, as a business partner, we're partnering with you to making sure that you can use, utilize some of those management tools, some of those, you know, people um, strategies to better engage your own team 
and ultimately, you know, driving productivity and performance. And then, you know, ultimately, obviously, improve the company uh, performance in that sense. Yes, so these are the three folds um, uh, kind of coming from my practices and my experiences. Yeah. Right. No, that's really interesting how you say that because I think a lot of it, like you say, is, is also a mindset, right? Leveraging the technology, the insights, but also at the same point, working very closely with business leaders and functional leaders to kind of say, hey, this is what we're seeing in the market. Do you think you should be thinking of a particular role or a particular strategy or maybe even taking advantage of, you know, a particular direction one of our competitors are going into. But um, I guess at this point, there's a lot of opportunity to kind of relook at the existing talent pools uh, that we once thought, you know, were actually not relevant to our organization uh, in the past. Um, is there a particular point when you adopt uh, this this type of intelligence that you can kind of expand the talent pool and, you know, advise hiring managers to kind of look above and beyond the common three to four organizations that they may want to poach from? Or do you, would that also be a, an avenue on, on in terms of adopting some of this intelligence? Yes, totally. And uh, um, I'll share with uh, one of the kind of the, uh, the examples that we did. Um, so I just give you a more concrete um, sure. you know, taste of it. Is that um, so? Uh, was with Alibaba for five years. Yeah. In my last phase, I think I was with the digital media group. So the digital media group. Uh, some of you um, uh, know Alibaba for the e-commerce piece, but it's it's these days it's much more than that. There's like 120,000 people. Uh, yeah. It's more like an Amazon, um, yeah. um, and then one arm of it is uh, really. A little bit like Amazon Prime, you know, we have the videos, we have, uh, we have music, we have something like TikTok, the sports, all that. So altogether, that, that digital media group, um, you know, has 13 different businesses all around the, the entertainment area. Yeah. And uh, that was the, really the direct, um, you know, request from our CEO was that yeah. we've been constantly facing these challenges, uh, even though Alibaba, you know, every year get 4 million applications. Um, he just said, you know, I don't think they're suitable. Actually, they're not really able to, um, you know, help us get to where we're going. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the talents, you know, even though the, the applications are there, but the, the readiness of the talent, the maturity uh, is not there or the potential is not there, right? right. So, um, so that's very interesting if you're thinking about, you know, um, the startup recruiting, sometimes you don't get applications. Right. For the big ones, you think, oh, you got a name, you got so many people applying, but actually you got different type of challenges. Right. Because I think the big ones, you know, they always want to disrupt in the new territories. Yeah. Sometimes those talents are not there simply. Maybe you- not there in the, you know, in the, in the, in the, inside the border, right? So we need to really go beyond the border to do that, right? Okay. So when we, our team back then, when we took out like such an assignment, we actually took two um, folds, two steps to do it. One is that we really wanted to look at internally again, right? What is mm-hmm. his uh, problem statement really mean that, you know, actually we don't want them, they cannot, you know? So um, because when we look at some of the internal data, we realized actually the, uh, the previous people that we hired, we had that very high turnover. The attrition is very high. Yeah. And also um, when we look at some of the quantitative um, aspect of it is that they're simply not happy mm. so um they meaning you know those content people we actually used to full-time employ 
is the movie directors, actors. Yes. Uh, that's, you know, if you think about it, it's a completely different type of species, right? Compared yeah. to the geeky software engineers, which, you know, is the definite majority of any tech com- companies. Yeah. So, so, so both sides, actually, they cannot really work together and they're not happy. Um, and especially for the creative people, um, later on, you know, if you find out and then if you have ever had experience working with them, is that, so number one is that, you know, creative people, they are very much into freedom things. So they don't like to come to work. <laughs> uh, they, they, they don't want to be strangled by like a physical space yeah. uh, or like a nine to five. They like to wake up at 3 a.m. and start writing, mm-hmm. uh, start, you know, thinking about their creative projects. Yeah. Uh, number two is that they can definitely not obey your OKR or you know, your performance things. It doesn't mean anything to them. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so, but overall, you know, Alibaba is known for this kind of very aggressive performance management, right? This type of culture. Um, and then, you know, the long hours and stuff. And um, so, so how are we able to really, you know, harmonize, right? These two groups in that sense. Right. So, that's number one, our finding, right? And then basically then the second we thought, you know, further deep into is that actually, do we really need them? You know, because um, coming back to the root of the question is that, you know, we, we wanted to build up this business because we saw the success of Netflix and right. we were making kind of the Netflix culture. Yeah. Um, to, 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 to say, you know, because Netflix has such a good culture and it's so successful in the content space, right? Right. Everybody should be kind of, you know, uh, see it as a model. Yeah. So, so the second project we did is that we dive very, very deep into, you know, the Netflix culture and model itself. Mm. Um, the origins of it, the root of it. Um, and we even flew to, you know, Los Angeles, met with the, um, the CEO and founder, Reed Hastings. Right. Um, yeah. And then, so later on, you know, our conclusions to find out is that, so Netflix, you know, um, some of you have read the, his new book, right? No Rules Rules. It's all these radical things. Um, yeah. It's very much actually catered to the founders of his own belief is mm-hmm. that he wants to create the best content in the entire world. Right. right. So his culture is very much catered to the content creative side of a talent. Right. So I, you know, I don't, you know, strangle you with some lead and we always pay top of the market. Yeah. Right? Just competitive, um, and um, so, so so can these things, you know, be able to really work in the, in the very tech driven, the majority yeah. of the engineers kind of companies, right? So that was our question. Number two is that when we also dig deeper into the content, people, is that um, like why did we they really enjoy and stay in Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. So we found out actually, yes, of course they are very attracted to you know high salary you know, the freedom, but ultimately it's also connected with their purpose in life because for creative people, it's a bit different is that you only need to succeed once in your entire life. And the majority don't only the 1% comes Mm -hmm. out, meaning that you only need one movie. You only need one book just in making sure you're in that market. Mm. But in order to do that, you need the greatest amount of luck, but also the world-class team to be able to carry that out. Yeah. So Netflix provided that platform to say that only here, right, you would 
be able to have a chance to work with the best directors, the actors, that you would have a chance yeah. to be able to succeed in your field. Versus, you know, if you stay at Disney today, right, it's ending, right, yeah. or, you know, you're doing your internal things. So, you know, both sides, I think, uh, uh, kind of uh, give birth to this um, radical and successful culture at Netflix. So when we really dive deep into it, rather than just, you know, see on the surface, right, our CEO um, went back from his trip to uh, Los Angeles. Um, he made a, also a very immediate decision. He said, I will stop hiring anymore. Mm. Actually, you know, it's a constant trend. And then, uh, and then we, his original thought is that we need the best content people to create the best content. That's right. why how we're going to win the war. But the right. truth is the Alibaba way of doing, you know, this digital media business, mm -hmm. ultimately it's, we want those um, content people to be able to drive back those traffic to our e-commerce platform. Right. To be right. able to serve in our e-commerce customers more than just a shopping experience. Right. Also a lifestyle experience. Right. So the two missions are gigantically different. Yeah. So yeah. once he comes back, he, he thought that thought through, he said, I will stop hiring. Instead, I will change the entire model to just outsourcing. Mm. So I will work with those creative people outside of the company. I will not employ them anymore. But because those creative people, usually they have their independent studios, one yeah. or two people. So we will just put money in, share IP, intellectual property with them, and we will work with them as a partner. Right. And it turns out to be much, much more successful. So I think if this is a, an example, um, I, I guess I wanted to showcase is to say that, you know, uh, we started out as a talent acquisition project. Yeah. But the conclusion at the end is that actually the needs is not there. It's yeah. not positioned correctly. And there, um, you know, this may be a, a, a very uh, interesting uh, uh, kind of example uh, mm -hmm. that went, you know, huge. Uh, but I think, you know, if you ask every TA person's life day to day, um, they would be facing similar questions. Right. A lot of times the hiring managers, because, um, you know, a lot of the needs is coming from inward, right? Mm -hmm. They think I am lacking this capability. That's why I, what I want to build. But sometimes the, the outside market may be very different. Yeah. So that's where really we're coming in to help him to shape out, you know, what is the correct positioning of the needs and what's a realistic position? Yeah. yeah. No, but, but no, that makes a lot of sense because I guess in a lot of these digitally native, digitally, uh, uh, I guess, started organizations like Amazon and the rest, uh, they kind of think of the customer as like 1x and 10x and 100x, right? Which is how yeah. they do books and then Prime and then you've got like your video and then you've got basically everything under the sun. Like you go from software to hardware by selling the Kindle, um, and I guess if you were to kind of look at the customer from that perspective, you see, hey, can we not dabble in that space? And it's only kind of, I would say, from a from an entrepreneurial spirit, kind of it makes sense to kind of go into that space because um, you're increasing the customer lifecycle, which is, I guess, what they what they all really want to do. Uh, but at the same point, what you're saying is really interesting. Where you're saying that talent acquisition is looking at the harmonization of these different individuals to bring this to life in terms of how we need to hire the right type of people to kind of mesh into who we have ex in, in the existing core to ensure that we're able to bring some of these strategies to life. And the adoption of intelligence then can tell you much more than do you hire or if it's actually even if you're going to look at, you know, hey, maybe this is not the right business idea for us. Maybe we need to look at a different model. 
uh, and we need to sort of maybe outsource the entire element, which I guess kind of brings me to a, 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 a different question, which is, you know, in an organization like an Alibaba or an Amazon, where there's so much emphasis on data and understanding the, the consumer, I can only think that in larger ecosystems and more, uh, you know, analog companies that are now going digital, uh, they, they would also have access to this insane amount of data as well. Uh, but what what is the starting point uh, for an organization to come to a realization on on how they can leverage data and analytics to support you know talent acquisition or talent management in general? Where do they start? Yes, thank you, Annie. That's a very good question, and yes. uh, I, I always get that a lot. Yeah. Um, so I think um, not every organization probably would have the luxury of setting up a TI function. You need this size, and then. Um, some people always argue that you need that large amount of data to work at, right? Yeah. This one, I, you know, I hold my thoughts is uh, because I think um, back to my first point, I always feel like ultimately it's a mindset. Right. And then when it comes to external data, um, it's actually all over the web. Mm. Um, there's, you know, the, the LinkedIn, um, there's all kinds of social medias that we will be able to connect in. Uh, and figuring out people's uh, uh, behaviors. And uh, another thing is that um, sometimes people always think, uh, you know, um, when it comes to data analytics, um, do we really need a lot of the algorithms, you know, all those uh, skills, uh, right, to use those complicated software to churn out the models and to figure it out? Um, To be honest, if if you're asking people in, in kind of the HR analytics space, uh, in many, uh, many, many, you know, large organizations, um, if you ask their customers specifically, they would say, um, sometimes I didn't feel like it's very relevant. <laughs> and uh, um, they're like doing their own analytics things, yeah. um, but it's not really solving a business problem, which is kind of my challenge, right? right. So I think, uh, again, this would come down to kind of the, the ultimate goal here is, uh, I think whether, you know, you use analytics or you use, you know, your tactical approach, um, it's all just a, a route to an end mm. um, because ultimately, um, you know, we're trying to making sure that, that we, we're not just, you know, kind of, a, kind of sitting on the other side of the table anymore, right? Mm. Versus we are equipped with these type of knowledges that some of our businesses, you know, it's the first time they've seen or they don't have access to, and then really be able to shape their thinking uh, around not even just people, right? It's the entire model as well. So, um, yeah, so I think, you know, kind of uh, in summary, back to my point, whether I think you are a startup, you know, and then you are a large corporation, you have big amounts of data to work with, um, there's always a a different way of doing uh, sort of the analytical approach. And, uh, you know, using metrics to drive performance, I think ultimately um, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, that's also the interesting piece as well is that your creative way of thinking, you know, the, what's the most customized that's very suitable from the stage of my organization um, and then be able to solve some, you know, actionable insights and, and the real problems. Yeah. Right. Right. So I hear you loud and clear. So, so, 
you're saying it doesn't really matter, I guess, you know, if you have copious amounts of data or if you're just kind of starting out, it, it, it's a lot around the mindset and the approach to getting the insights and, 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 and finding actionable insights so you can actually drive home a solution at the end of the day. I guess, you know, there's a bit of um, skepticism around, you know, talent, uh, intelligence and data analytics as well within like talent acquisition. You hear, you know, some horror stories like, oh, you know, because of a particular AI that you're losing out, you know, a bunch of uh, relevant or qualified candidates or female candidates are getting missed out because of certain algorithms or anything like that. So, so when you are kind of investing into, you know, technology and, and kind of utilizing AI and ML within, you know, talent acquisition, uh, is there a way you can predict some of these mistakes? And even when, when they do come around, when, when they are elicited, how do you then kind of deal with it and quickly kind of make the right changes to ensure you're always getting the right talent uh, at the right time for the organization? Mm. So, uh, again, very good questions. Uh, I think uh, uh, it's more around the system side, right? Yeah. And then yeah. I always say, in, you, kind of, you know, the qualitative and quantitative piece should go, always go hand in hand mm. um, because, you know, data, when it get there, but if you're missing sort of the human part, yeah. um, so that's why the talent, you know, it's not all about data analytics, right? Sure. It's, you know, uh, we also talk to the candidates. We understand them from a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily wanting to, you know, acquire them, uh, but truly understand the pool, right? What are their needs? Uh, what are the, the dislikes? So combining both, right? And then I think that's always the, the, the challenge and the, the true sort of, I think, the most uh, difficult, right, part of this is that you need experienced people to be able to distinguish from the noise and extract what is real, what is the to you know the insightful that you can actually draw upon so um i would say you know uh, kind of again uh the 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 machine learning all the tools um the predictions um um they are very good um but if they're living without context yeah uh, and if they're not really connecting with a real uh kind of problem then it would be something again called descriptive data yeah, uh, it's just uh, you're just describing a matter. Um, yeah, but not you know translating into some of the things we can act upon immediately. Yeah, got you, got you. I really thank you, Jerry. I think it's really good to get such wonderful insights from you and 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 kind of giving us a really good view on uh, how an organization can start this journey, leverage the data. At the same point, the significance of having the right mindset to kind of bring um, this form of adoption of intelligence to kind of life was, was really interesting. So I'd really like to thank you for taking the time on a Friday night to speak to us. So I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Annie. Uh, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, to the audience there, uh, any of you, if you want to know more about me, uh, feel free to connect me, me on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, we are also expanding Dr. Anywhere, uh, we welcome um, all types of people who's just interested in about a company. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Obviously, we welcome applicants and candidates as well. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope this podcast can help in your learning journeys. 
check us out on our LinkedIn page, Hedge Asia Consulting. Till next time, keep growing.